Mastered economics, cause you took yourself from squalor. Slave. Mastered academics, cause your grace said you were scholar. Slave. Mastered Instagram, cause you can instigate a follow. Shit. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Yeah. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. What's up, everybody? This is AJ, and this is the Unnecessary Podcast. As you know, we're listening to Run the Jewels, featuring Pharrell and Zach De La Roca. I'm going to lower Run the Jewels. I want to get to Run the Jewels later, but uh, if you're new to the Unnecessary Podcast, this is a conversation-based podcast about whatever we want to talk about. It's usually politics and movies and music and a whole lot of other things and usually have friends and interesting people. So uh, my guests today are, are two of my friends and interesting people, Lou and Janice. What's up, guys? What's going on? Hi. How's it going, AJ? Hey, thanks for having us. Yep. Of course. I'm so excited that we can talk on June 7th, 2020. There's a lot going on. Yes, there is. Really? I haven't noticed much difference. <laughs> Felt like I needed to talk to somebody. Do you think that we'll look back at this in 30 years and be like, this was a once in a lifetime thing? I hope, I hope so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I hope it was a once in a lifetime thing. And uh, I think what's even funnier is all the hope and positive energy that everybody had at the end of 2019. <clears throat> because it was a decade, it was like the most amazing thing to see the whole planet talking about how 2020 is going to be the best year ever and everything's <laughs> going to do so great and then right away we just the punches started coming <laughs> it's it amazing janice yeah. anything to add i mean as of right now i i feel bad for the future generations who have to look at the history books this is going to be a very complicated year <laughs> to go over you know so yeah. you know how we look back on it it really depends on how this goes down mm-hmm. so yeah. you know and it's it can go one of one of two main ways right now and it's funny how many different ways you can look at any one historical event i've learned that as i've gotten older and all of them have elements of truth you know and some are more true than others and even i were at the alamo in texas and it was complete like whitewashed history um, really not telling the true story of, of the annexation of Texas and the, the war of conquest we had. And the truth was so much more interesting than, than what they were teaching. It was really a shame, but uh, yeah, I hope that, I hope that we have the, the right history in the future uh, taught about this time. I actually just got a book recommendation for me, a oh. people's history of the United States. Oh, Howard Zinn, I believe. Yes. So I haven't read that yet. So I'm going to get into that after the series I'm on now. I read that like back in high school, but I probably skimmed it. I probably said that I read it, but I really read like three quarters of it or half of it. And so I think I want to reread that. <laughs> Apparently people say with the current climate of everything going on, that it's a really great book to read now because stuff is still so relevant. So. Fuck yeah. We'll Fuck yeah. Well, I guess in case no one's, um, people are wondering what we're talking about. It's, it's really, um, it's really mostly about Kate Middleton and the royal family, all the strife that they're going through. No, obviously not. We're coming off coronavirus, and then we had we had all this uh, police brutality caught on caught on camera. Um, oh, so many things to talk about. Have you guys listened to Joe Rogan's podcast uh, like two days ago with Crystal and Sagar from the Hill? No, no, we we've actually, actually I've been 
pretty delayed on a lot of podcasts just with everything going on. Mm-hmm. So it was great. Um, the, have you seen the Hill Rising, the YouTube show with Crystal Ball? No. no, we haven't. I know who Crystal Ball is. We used to. She was on MSNBC a while ago. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, she was cool, but we haven't seen her podcast. No, yeah, it's so to. great. It's on YouTube. It's um, <clears throat> I don't know if they're on like network TV or anything, but they do a daily or a five day a week news show. And okay. Crystal's is great. You know, Bernie supporter, progressive, um, really holds holds people accountable and holds people to truth, which is great. She she was one of the only people I saw like defending the the protests of of the shutdown, not defending. The content of what they were protesting, but she was sympathetic towards their outrage, their their anger at at the broken system and and how working class people are being forgotten and disagreed with how they were doing it. But she was one of the rare people that did that on the left. And then Sagar is like a right wing guy, but he's pretty sly and picks his battles because the audience is mostly progressive. Um, so he comes across as very agreeable. But it's a great show. But anyway, they were on Joe Rogan. I suggest mm. you watch it. Um, the, the end of my rant is that Joe Rogan on this podcast said that in response to the protests we're seeing, um, after George Floyd's murder, um, he wants the military to come in to quote unquote, put out the fire of protesters. That doesn't put out a fire. There's no, there's also no fire. When, yeah. When has violence made other people not become more violent? You know what I mean? You bring the military and all you're doing is escalating. First of all, you're, are you like on the line of breaking what America is about? The military is not supposed to be the police. That's mm-hmm. the whole underlying thing of America. That the military is for foreign stuff. You know what I mean? It protects the, the people. It does not, does not attack the people. Because then what would, uh, what it, it's like, you know, we don't have like a Putin here. We're not supposed to be that. We're not supposed to be oppressed by the fucking military it, might. You know plus, what I mean? The police is supposed to be, first of all, the police, it's a civilian force. It's a bunch of civilians that we give some extra little things to because they have to take care of us. You know, we're, that's their job. Just like a janitor clean stuff. These people protect the people. That's their job, you know? So it's like, why would you bring the military? People are complaining that there's too much violence and you're going to escalate the violence. That like yeah. that is ridiculous. Also, even right now with police, there uh the thing right now is the issue is police brutality mm-hmm. and it's being fought with police brutality. Like I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure you heard Saturday and Sunday. Were you able to hear all the flash grenades and tear gas being fired? I was there. I got my first taste of tear gas. Oh, in the middle of the day. It wasn't even at night. Yeah, we we were we could hear it all. The only reason why we have not been down there protesting is still because of the pandemic. I'm I have to be cautious. I yeah, have asthma. Yeah. Right. So, you know, tear gas and asthma won't work for me. But yeah. I feel like I'm doing what I can to support the cause from, you know, from what with what I can do to safety in my apartment. Right. Well, there's different levels, you know, there's different jobs that everybody can do and there's different ways everybody can participate. Mm. Uh, I, you know, uh, there's people that, that are going to be on the streets uh, mm. showing numbers, which is great. And then there's some other people that are going to support in the background, whether it's supplies or just spreading the word or just like, you know, I mean, also different levels right now, creating some art and sharing it, you know, that's very mm. powerful stuff. Yeah. 
anything you know using social do. media to share black stories black yeah. voices black artists to really kind of get the spotlight off yeah it's like do what you can and when you said before um oh i totally forget what i was gonna say oh well um uh but one of you oh man what oh yeah you said that violence begets violence it's if you're gonna like like escalating and and more authoritarianism does not bring about peace <laughs> that's yeah. not we have enough history of that we all know basic psychology so i think that's such an important point for people to remember and joe rogan kept going but what are you going to do about this fire we got to put out this fire and uh that's not the way to put out the fire. You guys are saying there isn't even a fire. I think there's there's more violence, like not violence. There's more broken windows in in Manhattan. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, there's all these things though. Are they're not individual, right? Mm -hmm. So there's uh, people are fed up. You know, uh, not only were people not taken care of during the pandemic, they were told that they're expandable for profits. Mm. You know, and then. Uh, people are getting killed on the streets by the people that are supposed to be protected. So, you know, if, if you are economically disadvantaged and you and your community are constantly being, being beat on, right? And mm -hmm. then this whole thing happens and there's a backlash. You know, I can understand how you might want to do it regardless of who you are or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that... Um, I think a lot of the quote-unquote violence is instigated intentionally by people that want to discredit the Black Lives Movement and this whole movement and the protest. You like know? those bricks the that bri suddenly show up yeah. in cities. Cops are leaving. I know it sounds conspiracy, but there's videos of things happening. It's right. not by coincidence when it's no construction to leave bricks around. Yeah. Or there's uh, even Some of the bricks have been disproven, but I think I could, I'm totally with you on, on a big percentage of looters being opportunists and like right-wing agitators. They call them accelerationists. There are legitimate anarchists right. that are normally young kids and they they definitely do come out just for the, just for the adventure fun. of it. Oh, hell yeah. And if you're so, poor, like you need an opportunity to, to like loot things to be on. Like you need an opportunity to loot a target. That's that's a thousand dollar opportunity that I wouldn't yeah. pass up if I live, if I was really poor. To be also the right wing and the white uh, nationalist organizations, like what's that boogaloo people, you know? Sure, the boogaloos, yeah. They they're they're communicating with each other to specifically do this to specifically go and cause trouble. Yeah, they you know? want to cause chaos. They're kind of a, a like the other side of it. They're also anarchists, but but in a in a very racist way. Because yeah. <laughs> if they cause chaos, right? You have a moron in the White House, so he's going to escalate it by sending in the mm -hmm. military, and then people are going to escalate to fight and defend themselves because right. they feel oppressed, and then their goal is going to happen. You know that's, what I mean? They're right. That's the other that's thing. Like Joe Rogan was bringing up that Eisenhower sent in the national guard to desegregate like Alabama and to support the freedom rides. But Eisenhower is not Trump. And like, we all trusted Eisenhower. He was a five-star general. Um, like we trusted him like with civil liberties. We don't trust Trump that way. So sending in the military, doesn't seem like a good option. Also the state requested it, if I'm not mistaken at that time, Correct. the state said, we need help in enforcing the constitution. Oh, actually, actually, no, the state was racist. Actually, at oh. the time, it was a weird thing where, yeah, the federal government was doing the right thing, but we trusted the federal government because 
we we understood restraint and like civil law. Um, and but I we don't, I don't also, think we have that. Wasn't it also to uphold like the constitutional law? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. In that situation, you're you're sending in troops to uphold the constitution, and in this exactly. situation, you're sending in troops to oppress to shut people up. Great from point. what they have a right to do. So it's, it's a different well, thing. Even did you hear everything going on with <clears throat> the the Trump's administration trying to deny that they used tear gas because technically they used pepper bullets? Pepper ball. Oh my God. So they were pe- the pepper balls, right. which is essentially tear gas. Now here's the most amazing thing. I recently read that tear gas is illegal to use in warfare because it's a chemical right, agent right right so you, you cannot in the same thing i just learned that warfare, too medical neutrality is another one where in war you cannot intentionally target medical teams medical facilities Society. so ha- having i believe i don't know which city it was where, where they the town or city had cleared having medical EMTs and doctors who wanted to volunteer on staff and they destroyed the medical unit. Yeah, they like punctured all their water, threw all their wow. like supplies. And right, because they see them as medical. supporting the quote unquote enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They see protesters as the enemy. Which so. is crazy to me because in if this was warfare, that is a war crime. Uh-huh. But it's okay for police to do it against right. its, its citizens. Right, they that, are, they're human beings that have more rights than us. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if we, that's the thing, like if you want to make a citizen's arrest, obviously you're, you're beholden to a whole different <laughs> set of rules and responsibilities. And it seems more reasonable than what the cops have. Like the, like there's probably a middle ground or, or not, maybe not middle 50%, but there's a, something in between a citizen's arrest and like what the police have rights wise that, that should be had. Yeah. You know, the police should be public safety really. Mm-hmm. Can I say the reason why I said before where I don't think I feel like maybe there is no fire because the protests are really peaceful. Mm-hmm. So two nights ago when they passed the Cheeseman Park, mm-hmm. we went out on our balcony and we watched it and it was really emotional seeing. Like yeah. I don't know, I had yeah. I felt like really strongly for it and like I was like this is so sad and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. We heard them at the pavilion singing Happy Birthday to Brianna, which is like it was really touching you know mm. but the thing that killed me is after the parade we also saw an suv of police officers in riot gear mm-hmm. hanging off an suv yes Being around the street all yeah. over town yes that bothered me a lot because like there was this beautiful thing and then followed by the, i feel like that, if there would be violent action obviously I think that'd be the cause yeah that was more worrisome than the masses of people. The masses of people made me feel good, right? Safe and secure, totally. And like a bunch of like military-looking people hanging off a vehicle going down my street made me feel completely uncomfortable. You know? Yeah, the protests are mostly love, but it's diverse. Yeah. It's diverse, so there's anger. There's obviously fury, but the yeah. cops are all all control. And there is no love <laughs> like the, the energy, dude, I was talking to 10 cops and I started raising my voice. I was like, the emotional energy you guys are bringing right now is not good. <laughs> now, I don't know if anyone had ever like told them that it's like, can you take a step back and look at yourself as a human being and not like a, a vehicle of the state? I wanted to start making robot arms and go must control people, figure of authority. <laughs> Cause that's what they, that's yeah. how they act. It's like the real life Stanford prison experiment. Mm. 
Yeah, That's right. Very- and great point, because I think they're dehumanized as well. They put on the, the tactical gear, they strap up, they cover their face, and they're trained to dehumanize themselves. Like, they're attack dogs, and we are, we are dogs to be put down. And, and so they're just as dehumanized as us in, a, in, a, in the Stanford prison experiment way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know what? They, ha- they allow, there's like X people that go do seminars and stuff, and they teach like their philosophy, and their philosophy could be garbage. You know what I mean? Mm. And <laughs> so there's not like um, a universal proven method of how they should behave, you know? So you mm. have people going doing seminars saying, like, you gotta get them before they get you type of deal you know that's like their little selling lines and stuff and yeah they're escalating the aggression that is expected so that has been going on for a long time i mean it's the militarization Mm. militarization get them like everyone's out to get you you have to shoot first ask questions later like all these things are happening it's like weird like i've never like when i was little i had heard things like oh, the police are accountable for every single bullet that they fire. Mm-hmm. You know, like they have to like find them. They have to know where they went because they have to be careful. Now, dude comes out of a car and starts shooting at a vehicle mm-hmm. without knowing who's in there. It's like, what the, like, are you that scared? You should not be doing this job because this is a job. It's, a, it's, it's something you choose to do for money, you know? So if you're that scared... Don't do that. Look, nurses, know? nurses yeah. have to restrain belligerent, confused, intoxicated people all the time. How many did they shoot? You know what I'm saying? So I mean, yeah. it's just it's just I think it's a compassion problem. Yeah. There's so many arms to this thing. It's crazy. And then a lot of my family's conservative Christian um and just had a very fortunate upbringing. So it's crazy to see how when we talk, there's just like an octopus, there's all these arms of, of how the police brutality thing persists, but you look at the other side and, and they live in a whole different reality, <laughs> which is like, man, where do we even begin? Um, so I'm really yeah. glad that, that we can talk about it. Cause, cause it's so true. <laughs> I it's was interesting seeing the different views of this, you know, like, seeing the protest and thinking it's beautiful and then going on an app like next door and people are so upset oh my god they're just furious they don't like it it will feel meanwhile it's like how could you not be touched by the movement like i don't understand dude this i don't this old i don't know how you you wouldn't want to be an ally to something that is so obvious yeah well it's like being against like women's rights back in the day you know what I mean? There were people that were like, no, we can't change. It's like, but it's so obvious. It's like, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter, you know? And uh, it, it's, it's, it's that. It's just, there's people stuck in stupidity, I think. I hate to sound so crude, but really. I think it's also, know? that is an accountability issue. Like me, like my family, you know, it, it was pretty split, not super conservative, but, you know, it was a, a what you would expect from an American family, you know, on the East Coast. So I don't know, like, I I think you have to maybe address as a white person that, hey, maybe your family said racist things or microaggressions and kind of recognize what you were taught growing up. Because the only people who could say they don't see color are children. 
because <laughs> at that age you don't see it you don't recognize it so I think growing up being exposed to such a wide like a lot of di diversity I think has made me more stable as an adult because I can understand someone else's perspective whereas mm -hmm. maybe people who were raised only around white people can't see it or don't understand it were you raised to trust the cops do you remember Yes, I think so. Um, I don't know. I think that's really a tough one. Like, I feel like maybe I kind of had like a, a mixed, a strange upbringing, but I do think that in elementary school was an element of protection. Mm -hmm. But then I think as I became a teenager and I started rebelling, I think my parents were kind of like understanding of my feeling of rebellion and not feeling safe. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. With me, I, I came from Greece, right? So I was born there. And the police there are like completely different. You know, they're, um, they're there to like help. You know, uh, I don't even know if they have guns. That's so like weird. Empathy. So when I was little, like that was like my exposure. And then we came to the United States and I was little. So they were just the police you know i lived in wayne which was like a decent town in new jersey so it was like whatever it, it had diversity but it wasn't like newark or anything like that so like <clears throat> to me the police was weren't that of an issue then once i started getting older i started doing my thing type of you know what i mean so then the police became so this is the thing right um, I don't know, like I'm from Greece. Um, am I white or not? Like, it depends on who you ask, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mediterranean, uh, my dad, you know, has like complexion changes depending on the sun, whatever. Yeah. So I don't know, but I look white, I guess, you know, my features. So I am, people call me white. So that's fine. So even when I did grow up and I started getting into like troubles, you know what I mean? Like just doing my thing. I actually got away with a lot of shit. You know, he got away with stuff that a I person got, of color would not. Yeah, so I definitely had like I experienced like you know the privilege of just doing stuff. Like, I mean, uh, at two a.m. one time, I was looking for a friend's house, and I was just driving really slow. And then all of a sudden, I was surrounded by like six police cars, like just screeched to a halt in front Damn. of me, all around me, and you know, I had weed on me. And they were like, they came to the car with their hands on their stuff. And I was like, yo, what's going on? You know, and they're like, we got a report of a gun. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm looking for my friend's house. I don't have a gun. And they're like, oh, where's your friend live? And I was like, oh, I don't know. This is the address. And then they gave me directions. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. like at two in the morning, I had tinted windows. I have like, you know, a big puffy jacket and all the like little mm -hmm. telltale signs, whatever. But they they're like oh you wouldn't be having a gun you know what i mean like yeah. they just like gave me the benefit of the doubt gave me directions wow. and i was off it's why a yeah. lot of people love the cops and will defend them because of ex there's so many experiences like that i've had great exactly. experiences so with good cops, for yeah. me though that i had like later i understood that there was a privilege that i benefited from you know yeah, and yeah. so to me the, the cops were like an inconvenience i guess you could say or like it was it's more like it wasn't life threatening because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's going to be very inconvenient. I'll have to pay all these fines and fees and, you know, whatever. Because if you get caught with, like, weed initially, mm -hmm. you know, it was never that huge of a deal. So that's 
you know, so it took me a while to kind of see the other perspective mm. where it's like, that's not like, oh, an inconvenience that you're going to have to pay fines and stuff. It's like, you could lose your life, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I've it, never had to worry about that. For sure. Exactly. So it's, it's like pretty crazy. So yeah, like even though I haven't had that experience, I can be sympathetic and I can support it. I guess is the point we're going to mm-hmm. really do. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. At 16, uh, I was like lied to by the cops to my face multiple times because they're they're allowed to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like some high school party, and I was in the car uh, with the kids that bought the beer, and so they brought me in for questioning. And my mom was like, "Just, just tell, just be honest. Like, just tell the truth. You have nothing to nothing to hide. Like, don't worry about it. Like, the cops are your friends and all that stuff. And yeah, they very clearly weren't." Um, and so I learned right there, like, oh, like clearly they don't have my best interest in mind. Oh no. Um, the lawyer clearly told me that. So yeah. it's just like, you, like respect them because they're authority and they can kill you, but don't don't ever fucking trust them. No. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, uh, think of it as a game. Oh man, I've been putting cuffs multiple times. Yeah, I, I love what you were saying about the training. I think that they are trained to look at us as somebody who's every single citizen is currently breaking the law or about to break the law or they're about to assault you. Yeah. <laughs> There's an interesting thing I heard where it's like lawyers, it takes them about maybe sometimes 11 years to really learn law to mm-hmm. become a lawyer. But then. Wow it takes about four to six months of police training to enforce the law. Right. Wow. So how can you be confident that you know everything and you are also trained in, let's be honest, I'm being a police officer is probably incredibly difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. It is not the job for me. I mean, for many. Right. (laughs) Fuck no. But I mean, it's the same thing. Like, like I'm also not going to be a nurse. Totally. Fuck no. But you you really have to have, I think, compassion for people and understanding for mm-hmm. maybe the situations that you end up in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the best cops I've seen and the best cop behavior I've seen is is compassion driven. Um and yeah. that's and that's why it's the hardest job. That's why it's so dangerous. Like my aunt and a lot of people I love will post like, Oh man, another cop murdered and like look how awful this is. Cops are getting killed. And it's like that's your fucking job. Like I'm like, that's not your job to get killed, but like, it's your job to be in danger. Like it's not a peaceful protesters job to be in, to, to get killed by cops. So like, it's like, you got to understand what they're signing up for and what they're getting paid for. You know? And like the day most dangerous uh, job is still being a lumberjack. Yeah. By mm. far. Wow. But the thing about that too, right. Okay. So it is a dangerous job, but it doesn't have to be as dangerous because mm. like you said, it's many, many, angles and many legs to this right mm. uh when we have rampant like weapons everywhere oh my god the whole population is armed right you don't have that in greece like you were saying the cops don't have them but the people don't have them either yeah not everybody's armed i mean people have rifles because their hunting is big yeah, yeah. You know, people hunt but it's not like here the culture where you have like handguns and machine guns and mm-hmm. shit like that all over the place you know so like um if you have that yeah i mean you have millions of armed people the, running around. Yeah, it, it elevates the risks for the police. So that may, you know, if you're looking at it from the other side, that could be an argument of like, hey, why? That's why we're a little bit more nervous because anybody could just shoot at us, you know. Mm. So, and then there's like, 
uh, other systemic problems that are contributing to the reason why the police get shot. You know, when you have like uh, economic devastation, you know, people are going to want to survive. And if you're going to try to get in their way, they're just going to yeah. back against the wall. You know what I mean? You're going to be vicious. You're going to try to survive. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on. There's all these little things that are just piling on. And it's like one end is feeding the other, you know? Right, right. Oh, that feedback loop. It makes exactly. it all worse. They, it all, it's synergy. Um, yep. I, I've been responding to my conservative people uh, in my Facebook feed with what exactly what you're saying. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a cop. I would never want to be a cop. For one thing, there are millions of armed people running around. Second of all, we don't have universal mental health care that's free at point of service. Like, think about yep. Think about how many mentally unstable people are out there. It could be mild, it could be mild depression and anxiety, or it could be extreme schizoaffective disorder, right? Like there's yeah. millions. Um, I have great insurance. It's fucking so hard for me to figure out, right? Um, so we don't have those two things. And then we have uh, public schools are based on local property taxes. So my school got like 500,000 times the funding that the school five, five miles away from me did in the Bronx. Um, so you have millions of uneducated, mentally ill, armed people running mm -hmm. around. Of course, cops are going to be freaked out. So like we got to deescalate that. We need better mental, better health care, better gun control, deescalate yep. the police or better Harm training for the police, de demilitarize. What were you saying? Harm reduction for addicts. Right. Yeah, yeah. I heard somebody saying that's part of the abolition movement. Somebody is saying like. It's, it's like an abolitionist movement. We want to create a society where we don't need cops. Yeah. And harm yeah. reduction is part of that. Legalization of marijuana or, or getting people to not overdose and, and get arrested and shit. And I think we could have that if we had a president who actually cared and wasn't, you know, a fascist. <laughs> yeah. That'd probably help quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the yeah. Oh my God. This, this president, it's like the perfect storm, right? I mean, it's absolutely the worst person for this. Yes. I think people, I think the, I was thinking about why are people so alarmed at looting? Like people are really freaked out. I don't think this is just fake outrage. I think there are a lot of people that are like legitimately worried about looting. Um, and obviously we aren't, but, um, they, I think looting is, is alarming to people because it's psychologically so apparent because it's so yeah. visual. Um, uh, a, a large company taking all of the bailout money in, in, uh, during the co coronavirus and leaving none for small yeah. businesses. Or um, in 2008, how one banker went to, went to prison. No one from Goldman Sachs went to prison, even though in Congress they admitted to, to, to knowing that they were tanking the economy and, and ruining people's lives. So, that's looting that, that we don't punish because it's not visible. Like people don't have the same outrage. It's a basic psychology thing. I think well, it's but, also putting material possessions over the life of a black man that we also have video of. That's also top down looting. This is bottom up looting. That's why it's so offensive. Great point. When it's top yeah. down looting. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? Yeah. Janice, like you said, we, we place property as more important than, than people. It's like I was saying, won't somebody think of the profits is like what they're saying. Yeah. Um, and Lou, what were you saying? That I thought, uh, sorry, I wanted to jump on that. No, I said your example is top-down looting. It's right. the, the wealthy looting from the, the 
mm-hmm. other people. You and know that's the I mean? thing. Yes. Because when you loot with a suit on and when you have like a million dollar lawyer, like again, it's psychology. I think it's very yeah. basic psychology. We don't realize that the suit is fucking impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and that like the nice haircut makes me and and like the the speech the 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 articulate speech of a upper class person makes me more likely to to um psychologically relate to him versus somebody who who speaks ebonics and doesn't look like me and and has a mental illness and has poor education or whatever yeah so exactly simple how people feel it's so simple and you got and that's why people don't look at rationality that it's like so base it's so emotional simply what's in front of their eyes when I'm trying to tell people, like, like you said, there's top down looting. That's, that's so much worse. And it's not as bad as ruining somebody's life physically. Yeah, exactly. Let's remember that Flint, Michigan still does not have clean water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are things that really, right. and, and when you bring, you, and when, you, and what are the demographics of that neighborhood? Oh my God. It's 90% yeah. black. And, and, yeah, they had peaceful protests too because the cops understood how awful things are. They've reformed their policing a little bit, so they're not as they're not as brutal. Also, they have a lot of high percentage of black cops. So, so that's why I think we kind of need our government to step in and say, like, oh, hey, maybe, maybe millionaires and billionaires can pay taxes, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and we can actually fix stuff because some new training, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And when you bring up Flint, um, people, a lot of people, millions of people in this country think that you are saying that looting is moral and it's people like, they're so obsessed with like, of course it's immoral, but they're, they think it's for some reason they think it's more immoral. Like they can't get out of their head that looting uh, might not be as bad as Flint not having good water. They see those things as like people like to separate things in their head, uh, you know, like yeah. have that division where it's like, oh, those are separate issues. They're not. Target, no. I mean, they are going to make an insurance claim and they'll be reimbursed for everything. And maybe if they have a good policy, they'll probably make more. They'll make more money than what the damage was valued at. Right. Looting's so- only immoral if A, someone gets physically hurt, or B, they don't have insurance. The yeah. small business has insurance. Fuck it. Let it burn. Yeah. But I mean, I think like a lot of retail places, like, especially when stuff's looted, like Target, like, I don't care. <laughs> Who cares? They own, they employ sweatshop labor. Like, we don't even shop there. They yeah. boycott nope. Target. Yeah. I mean, that's one of our boycott lists. Right. Like, Good. One of the things that, so we walked around the Capitol building last Sunday. So the night after, everything that happened Saturday, we went for a walk around. And in my head, it's like, I love Denver. Mm -hmm. My city is beautiful and I want it to be in the best shape possible. Mm -hmm. But but there was also beauty in kind of going down and seeing everything that happened the night before. Yes, the spray paint. it It was such, I mean, like I got all these pictures of it. The other thing that was amazing is that I think our community is so strong because there were hundreds of people down there with their trash bags from home, picking up garbage and doing what they can to keep our city, our community. But I also think that show of anger is also beautiful. Right. We'd be worried if there wasn't that show of anger, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a boiling point. Mm -hmm. We didn't, we did not have to get to this point, but we're here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. The show must go on. 
it was bull. Eva Eva had this post on Facebook where she was like, "This is bullshit that they're tear gassing rubber bullets." Um, th- there's like hundreds of homeless people that live in Civic Center Park in Denver, and like these people just want to live. And um, God, it's so shitty how um, the police reacted in our town because unlike New York City or other places, we didn't have. We had some broken, a couple broken windows and spray paint everywhere. And beyond that, yeah. I didn't really see anything bad. A couple protesters got ran over by civilian cars and a cop got ran over by a civilian car like four days after into the curfew after yeah. they escalated. Um, but it seemed like the, the escalation by the police was unwarranted because our protests were largely peaceful. Correct. They were. But I'm also glad to see that Denver has done stuff or is trying to do things you Starting know to pass legislation yeah they're right. working on legislation they've fired and they're tr- like putting you know ch- looking into people that did some of that stuff finally so, yeah you yeah know, so, so it might have worked apparently the looting worked <laughs> yeah, you know? so like it showed that you're serious yeah <laughs> but i think as as these go on the i mean like i said the protests themselves are peaceful it's just people who have their voices heard and I think even the the protests that are carried out online have been amazing like kind of like how everyone you've been you see businesses getting political so you have white white owned businesses you know really being open about their feelings about racism and white Mm. supremacy and then you have companies pushing you know, minority owned businesses and Mm. kind of having that be the focal point, which has been amazing. And I feel like as a white person, I've been seeing so much content on my stream that I don't, or even Instagram accounts that I maybe otherwise would not have seen and followed. Yeah. So I think it's been a great educational period. I hope for the people that are paying attention. Yeah. I've been liking that. I've, I was reading about the history of police because I'm like, where did this all start? <laughs> I love learning about that kind of stuff. And um, in, in ancient China for thousands of years, they had um, investigators that would investigate crimes and, and but they, would, they weren't armed and they weren't intervening in active conflicts, you know? Uh, so it's totally different. The first police that I could, that I was seeing based on, Google and Wikipedia and just like doing some random internet research was um, like ancient Greece. They would have slaves um, that would protect property that was in public. <laughs> and it sounds like a lot like what's going on today. They were, they were, yeah, slaves from outside of Greece that like kind of gre- the, the empire conquered and they brought them in and they would use them to control the rich people's stuff that was in public spaces. And also they were to keep tabs on the slaves to make sure there wasn't a slave uprising um, to make sure there wasn't true democracy. And then the other early one was like in Egypt where essentially it was, they started as palace guards and they just extended the palace guardianship to the public sphere. So like when the rich people wanted to go to the market, you would have quote unquote police there to make sure that the rich people can, buy their fruit without being fucking assaulted for, for enslaving thousands of people. So like the police are have, and Rome was the same deal. So the police were literally started to protect rich people's shit. It's protect and serve. It's protect rich people and, and police the poor people. 
So it's still the same thing. It hasn't changed. Yeah. yeah so and that's the history old. of it. It's nuts, man. They stayed the same since since Egypt. Yeah. Oh yeah, now they're right. Exactly. Yes, now it's billion dollar fund. It's funded by our bloated military budget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, something as crazy as I saw that Los Angeles, um, they put in a major cut to their police force. So they cut, I believe, two hundred and fifty million. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, but their annual budget is one point eight seven billion. Wow. <laughs> for Los Angeles County. Damn. So granted, that is a great start, but I kind I guess when you really look at the numbers and I get it, Los Angeles is, you know, a really unique place, but that you're paying for the militarization mm-hmm. that the people in our Congress probably have stock options in these companies that are making these weapons. Mm-hmm. So of course you're going to push it through because mm-hmm. our public servants are obviously bought by companies mm-hmm. and warfare is really the thing that America does best. That is the thing that we are number one at. We're great at brute force. Great point. That's oh like yeah. In our weapons, for civilian use, we got it. I'm a big believer in cultural heritage and like cultural identity being something that lasts hundreds of years. Accents might change and politics might change, but like our, our fierce um, paranoia of each other and like our fierce uh, desire to be independent and like our obsession with land rights, uh, property rights being separate from like all other kinds of legality. <laughs> uh, it's continues to this day. And I think it's like from 200 years ago. You see, I, oh, I find that to be so strange because I feel like I like community and sharing like, so we actually got rid of our car and we were going carless for the foreseeable future. Mm, cool. And as we're, we've been walking a lot of places. So as we were walking today and we saw all the cars parked at every single street, there's no spot open. I was like, how great would it be if every car was just a shared car? So, so there's you, no parking. Yeah. You don't need parking. Wow. It would be so much, so much easier. You have better public transportation, but. Oh my God. Your footprint, your carbon footprint would go down. Everybody's yeah. covered footprint would go down. You have public transit, different kinds. And then you have like autonomous, like almost like Uber or Lyft, you know, where you just do it and it's a robot car just picks you up, drops you off and then does the next person. I'll be like, yeah, ideal. everything would be just, you know, driverless vehicles that you can just schedule. They come to you. But I, I couldn't imagine. I, I mean, like I could imagine how much more beautiful it would be. Because did you hear about the bike lanes they're trying to put into Denver? Yeah. Yep. So that another thing, it's a really contentious issue. And the issue that people are having is because it would eliminate parking on what Washington and Clarkson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it would eliminate parking, which is a huge issue. But in my head, I'm like, why can't, why do we even need cars? Mm. We can just set the world up, but yeah, yeah. We'll get there. I'm out here in like my utopia and we have such a dystopian world. Mm-hmm. I think so. it's so important though. Like I was listening to a podcast about quote unquote defunding the police. It was a Vox podcast. We all love Vox, yeah. but they were saying like, it's important to have your utopia in mind. It's important to be constructive and think yeah. about a replacement. If you're going to talk about something like defund the police or getting rid of parking spaces. Like, like it's always a good idea, even if you think it's idealistic or too optimistic or whatever, like it's always good to have that. 
you gotta have goals. Mm-hmm. I've been recently, I've learned about something called restorative justice, which mm-hmm. I'd heard of, but I didn't really know much about it. So I just want to read this line from restorativejustice.org because I thought it was so, it's like a different way of envisioning crime uh, in your community. So it says restorative justice views crime as more than breaking the law. It also causes harm to people, relationships, and the community. So a just response must address those harms as well as the wrongdoing. If the parties are willing, the best way to do this is to help them meet to discuss those harms and how to bring about resolution. Other approaches are available if they're unavailable or unwilling to meet, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. It's just like a different way to think about criminal justice in general. And apparently it's like transformative and it, and it's, it's like you said, Jenna seems utopian um, and like something so opposite to what we have, but it made so much sense to me. You know, when something you hear something and you're just like, that just strikes a nerve with you. And uh-huh. yeah, that's, that's how I felt. So, so just so make sure I understand, that would be like if you mug me and you get caught, then we sit down and I tell you how your behavior like kind of ruined my day or hurt me. Yeah, right? it's, I think it's like a mediation structure for nonviolent crime. Okay. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, because then it, be, it humanizes everybody. Then you make that connection. You know, yeah. it's different. Mm-hmm. The thing that's sad, I think, in our world that makes me so sad is that a lot of Crime and theft comes from the desperation of people who need help. So look, yes, if someone is a drug addict, they are going to have to do what they can to survive. It is absolutely a survival thing. So when society doesn't address stuff like that and thinks it's as simple as like, oh, you just have to have willpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. You have to have some willpower, but I think it'd be good for people to be taken care of. Mm. You know, to yeah. be able to, I guess, maybe make crimes more of something that you kind of need an explanation for. Are you setting him up for camp restart? No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> no, I just think our, we, I think you that. You should tell him about camp restart. No, stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I think that I like, I really That's like good. the concept of that, but I think we'd have to address a lot of other things in our society first to kind of eliminate like a bulk of the desperation. Uh-huh. Yeah. I so agree. And I, man, I'm starting to take this approach with my family. I wish I wouldn't, I wish I didn't shit on Christianity so much the last 13 years. Cause I could have just pretended to be Christian this whole time. Cause it's truly the Christ like thing to do is to be compassionate and to give love where you think people don't deserve love. Um, and like, that's a way to bring about healing. And so many Christian people, as you guys know, like support the cops and support Trump and don't believe that. And it's, it's not the way to go. Because they're, it's they're, cognitive dissonance. Yeah. They're hypocrites. They're just, don't yeah. care. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you, you also, I wish that a lot of the Christians were more like that 75 year old man in Buffalo. Did you, I mean, like, obviously, I'm sure you know the story of what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. But he is actually, has been protesting since he was younger. He's a devout Catholic. And his whole thing is he's going out to the protest to kind of try to actually take action. Mm -hmm. Well, see, I'm not, I'm not fucking surprised that he's Catholic. Um, It's, it's, it's it's the Protestants that are the problem. It's, I mean, it's all, all, I think any religion, um, you know, is problematic when in political power, but, but yeah, uh, we, we have like a very Protestant culture that leads to 
so many things. Um, in a weird way, Catholicism is almost less fucked up. I don't know. It's a cha- It's a. It's a race to the bottom. <laughs> the also, we live in a in a country though that's also like strangely nationalistic. Mm, very nationalistic. A lot of other countries are not. You know, because where you have no choice over where you're born. Yeah. So right. I think I don't know. I think of myself as a just another person on the planet who's from a different area and has different experiences, but is generally the same as everyone else on the planet. Yeah. I love how you use the word nationalistic to describe that. I think the idea of nation states itself is so new. Um, and we do have like this, this fear of globalism. I, I am a globalist in the socialist sense because I think we have our needs are, are more in common with, you know, similar classed people around the world. And I think the lack of lack of democracy is something to divide people and to, to oppress working class people. But I think that nation states are a way of oppressing working class people. It's not to say you can't oppress people on a global scale, but, but uh, yeah, I don't like, I'm not a huge, necessarily a fan of nation states if we had democracy. (laughs) Actually with the internet, having the internet now has connected people in a whole new way that it's made it easier. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I guess, I mean, then again, I guess that's also why we have QAnon now because it took all the conspiracy theorists and just kind of grouped them together. But it really does bring people together and, you know, has made it easier to feel like a global citizen. Well, I love how, I love how you brought up how the internet, does both things. It can do the absolute worst. It can, it can organize QAnon. It can provide a forum for, for QAnon and all that, but it can also connect us in a positive way. And I think globalization itself did that like global trade. Um, mm-hmm. It allows like a small country like Germany or whatever, medium sized country to kind of have its, have its feelers and, and trade fingers like out all over the world. Um, and so, yeah, I would love for us to, to evolve to like a global democratic system. But the problem is we, not every, a lot of countries don't have democracy and like, we don't have a lot of democracy in the U S unfortunately. Like we have like a, I would say like a medium to low amount of democracy on the spectrum. And so democracy theater. Yeah. 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 The two party system forces people. Sorry, we're, I'm jumping around so much, but obviously the, the two party system in this country kind of forces people into two buckets and it limits democracy and it, to bring it back to the cop thing, police associations and sergeant associations used to be really strong uh, gun control people. And they would pour tons of money into gun control laws. And um, unfortunately, the two-party system has forced people like police associations to choose like one party or the other rather than be like, oh, I'm going to give a little bit here, I'm going to give a little bit there. I think it's another weird example of, of our like reduced reducing democracy yeah yeah definitely so uh a ranked voting system that's what we need oh man i'm yeah ranked voting for sure man and we need more than two parties because having two parties just sucks because you get to pick like from like a bucket of poop or a bucket of diarrhea sometimes and it's like which one did i choose they both suck you know i'm going for the poop this round yeah <laughs> going to be forced to vote for the poop this round yeah uh south park had that that episode like 20 25 years ago or yes. probably 20 yeah. years ago where yeah it was the poop uh 
sand, turd sandwich or something like that. It was yeah. a turd sandwich and a giant douche. And it was about music, wasn't it? It was no. well, the voter die. There was also the voter. It was, the, it was the voter die episode with yeah. with P did Puff Daddy and like it was I think Bush. Yes, that's what it was. My 16 year old cousin still watches that. Like he loves South Park's his favorite show, and he thinks vote. He thinks that episode's hilarious. Yeah, I'm like, dude, that's back from when we were kick kids. Yes. Yeah. Well, when maybe not Lou. Not Lou. When Lou is an adult, and when we were kids, <laughs> <laughs> Lou is a little adultier. Sometimes. So I, so last weekend when like Saturday, you guys were saying when you guys went out and saw the the aftermath of the protests and mm-hmm. police escalation. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was Saturday the third. We were there Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday the thirty first. Thirty first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that like end of May, I yeah that's when it was like I feel like it's gotten calmed down. Like I was out last night at around midnight and there was a couple hundred people around the Capitol and Lincoln Ave right in front of the Capitol was open with traffic. And some dude on a megaphone was like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to close off the street. We're going to get the music pumping. We're going to start with a chant with Brianna. It's for Brianna Taylor. And, um, and we're going to close the street down. Cause these are our streets. And they were like, he was like, are you ready? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I didn't hear you. Are you ready? And so everyone got hyped up and we closed down the street and about 20 cars piled up who were trying to drive through. And almost immediately a bunch of protesters and I was one of them like started going to the cars being like this, this street's going to be closed down for a while. You're going to have to back up uh, and go that way and we can help you. And fortunately the cops immediately saw us like two blocks away where I see lights come up to two motorcycle cops, but then they park like a block away and they just sit there and they watch us like direct traffic and they didn't come close. They stayed like a block away. And I thought that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're protesting the cops. The last thing we want to see. Imagine if we were protesting Brett Kavanaugh uh, when we were doing a year or two ago and fucking Brett Kavanaugh showed up. Of course I'm going to yell at you. And then Brett Kavanaugh starts shooting at you. That's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. (laughs) Sounds legit. (sighs) So I say I got pepper sprayed. It was really probably a block away. They released a bunch and I felt it and tasted it. And that mm-hmm. was my first ever. So I'm considering that I got pepper sprayed. It wasn't like point blank. I was like half a block away. I, mean, I want to say if you're in the vicinity of it and you can taste it. Yeah. I was fucked up that I could take, like I was pissed that I could taste it. Cause I was on the sidewalk, like clearly being peaceful. And then a dude 10 feet away, I hear, you hear pop, pop, pop. And a dude yeah. 10 feet away is like, Oh fuck. I got hit. And they were shooting rubber bullets at people. We and, heard uh, it. Yeah. Just it spraying was- into the crowd we- middle of the day. Yeah. We spent most of Saturday sitting out on our balcony and we had the, um, we streamed the news, like the live feed from the helicopter so we can see what's happening. But then we just sit out and we could hear everything echoing. Oh, it's the worst. Like we didn't sign up for this, right? When we moved to Denver, (laughs) like the helicopters throughout the night. I'm glad that there are so many passionate people in Colorado. That's what I love about And in Denver, it's I mean, that's why I say, like, it's been really beautiful to kind of watch everything unfold, mm-hmm. see the new murals go up. I mean, not just graffiti, like, um, where is it? On right on Colfax Ave, there's a mm-hmm. mural that went up by the 7-Eleven mm-hmm. of George Floyd. Yeah, that's nice. And we've been watching it go up, and now it's like, it's a... It's a beautiful piece. It's sad, but it's beautiful. Do you think we would have made this much progress with these protests if uh, if coronavirus hadn't have happened? 
See, that's a good one, right? Because I think, I think it had an influence. Because I think it, uh, like we, like we, I mentioned before, like with uh, people feeling like they weren't taken care of uh, and all that stuff, it, it, I think it, it built up a lot. And everybody's like trapped inside. <laughs> you know, that's tough for well, some people. But I also think that so. more. But at the same time, I do. I think that more people would be out. Oh yeah. If actually. it wasn't for the virus, because we'd be there. Uh, yeah, actually, I would be there. Okay. Every night. So I think. I think this was a boiling point. Yeah. I think it just boiled over people. We people yeah. are up and around every single time, but I think this time nobody can ignore it. You're right. We had had it. I had had it. Seeing that video, man, fucking yeah. enough. And like I said, you, there's been so many other people yeah. like over, you know, even the last 10 years, you just, every couple months is a new story. Mm. Everyone's upset. Yeah. But then it kind of just, you, you start ignoring it. So now we're seeing actual change. I think if it weren't for the virus, there definitely would be more people out. The thing I am concerned about is that. The spike. And it's, it's valid to be concerned about two things at once. But I think yes. the it's, virus is definitely is keeping us home mm-hmm. and doing what we can to support the movement. But I don't know. It's a it's definitely a strange time. But I guess you don't kind of uh, pick the dates for your revolution beforehand. Yeah, it just happens. I loved seeing the healthcare workers out there um, with their scrubs and their masks. And they were saying that this is more important than the pandemic or just as important. Um, like the black people get, getting killed, the police brutality, uh, yeah. uh, um, the police brutality coming down on everybody, <laughs> um, not just black people, but everybody. Um, yeah. And, and so, and also I, when I'm out there at the protests, I'm like, man, these people were really itching to get out of the house. <laughs> so I'm, I think it was a good thing. Yeah. That this all coalesced at this time. I think like the momentum was, was it's weird. Like, man, I've been meditating. I, I've been meditating less than ever, but the meditation I've had has been really meaningful and I've gained some, I've just remembered some, some perspectives that I, I guess I, I had forgotten. Um, oh, the cops are calling. Better be, you know. um, it's, it's weird. Like life is so weird in that the, the things that make life great are also the things that make life terrible. Like if the more you love somebody and the better somebody is, the, the more sad it is when they die. Right. Like, so like the more positive emotions you have with something, I feel like eventually you are going to have the, the, the opposite of that and life balances out like that. Um, and so when it comes to something like this, like, I feel like if we, uh, progress as a society and a hundred years from now or 50 years from now or 20 years from now, if we're in a good place and we look back at this time, I think we will say this was necessary. And that like, if it didn't happen now, it would have happened 10 years from now. And sometimes you need like the valleys to have the mountains. You know what I mean? Like you fucking need this sometimes and, and it's not justifiable and it's not moral, but sometimes you look back at the sh- like the trauma in your life, like, like I've had so much trauma in my life and I've had mental illness, but when I get past it and I look back on the mental illness, I'm like, I'm the person I am today because of that mental illness. And I don't know if I'd be as smart and as effective in the world and as compassionate. So sometimes you need trauma. Yeah. Yeah. It's like life lessons, you know, it's weird. 
it's fucked up. That's why I think it's also important to just kind of live your experience and not try to, I don't know, I think a lot of people try to stuff their trauma away to make it seem like there's something that they're not. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people who are kind of disingenuous about life, you know, have you ever gone, have you ever had something painful in your life happen and you go to therapy and it's painful to read, to work through it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's happened to me a lot. Like deny, it's like denial. It's like, I really don't want to address this part of me and it's going to be super fucking painful to like relive the traumatic experience or relive the shitty things that I've done. But you need to do that. And that's what I mean by like, you need trauma. I don't mean you need the initial traumatic incident to be good, to grow, but like sometimes you need to keep going through the process of trauma to complete it. You need to learn from it. Yeah. If you cringe from something you did in your past, it means you've evolved from that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so if that's why I think it's funny when people say they have no regrets to me, that kind of means like maybe you didn't have any growth either, you know? Great point. You could always be growing no matter how good you think you are. Like there's always something you could do better. So that's a great point. Yeah. I've been recently, I've come, I've had a couple of zoom uh, uh, debates that were scheduled with my friends and some friends of friends that I'd never met. And they were like conservative and I brought on me and, and another liberal and we had some fun debates. Um, but I, I, was telling them that I'm no longer saying I'm not racist um, because I think there's too much stigma or there's un, there's like the wrong stigma on being racist um, and, and people who, who are too racist or, or extremely racist are very averse to being called that. And I think I should say like everyone is racist, myself included um, because I have, I have racial bias Um but I acknowledge it and I attempt to grow from it, you know, because I realize I'm like a monkey who has learned to ride a bicycle. I'm an idiot who has evolved a little bit, but I can't get outside of my own psychology. So I do have racial bias and predispositions and I just need to acknowledge that, you know? Well, isn't that part of going through life though, right? Because don't you have the same thing with cultures? Like, I think that makes you a little bit more in tune with what's going on and you can understand things better maybe mm-hmm. you know because i think uh yeah i don't know i wonder if i know what i'm saying no that makes <laughs> sense just wanna, I'm, i don't know if i'm uh let me let me think about that for a second I'm a so i'm uh i'm gonna go on a police ride along really yeah district six my neighborhood um one of my board, the board members of the board that I'm on, she's the the police captain for district one. So I okay. know, I know. And she's amazing. She was an air force pilot. I bet her resting heart rate is like 30 beats per minute. She's amazing. Um, okay. She's super chill. She's like some, a, a police, police woman. I trust. Um, it's rare, but uh, yeah, I want to go on a ride along and I want to tell them how I feel. And I want to see if they can help me, gain a different perspective. Cause I want to say like, from my perspective, you are trained to view me as somebody who is committing a crime or potentially committing a crime or potentially going to assault you like on every stop. And it sets up an, in a, a, a relationship, a dynamic that where you're the authoritarian. And I think that is trained in them. And I want to tell them that that's how me and millions of other people feel. And I want to see how they feel about it. <laughs> That's a good way to learn. 
to really be able to see it with their own eyes and interact. Yeah, so I don't because I don't think they see it like that. I'm I sure mean, they don't. Even if they even if they are trained like that, they probably don't see it like that. Uh, agreed, but you know, they can deal. Yeah, well, and also I want to hear. I think like at the, like maybe during the next protest and riot, they'll think about maybe something that I said, like, cause I want to get across the idea that like we're all human beings. And I think that the best cops and they would agree that in their best moments, they're acting very humane and like they're problem solving and negotiating and, and being people persons. And it's yeah. so hard um, because they could also get shot at, but, but that's like the, what they should be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure even being on the job the I would assume the most rewarding work is like maybe when you save somebody because you're, you're put into that position, you know, you're dealing with people sometimes on their absolute worst days and maybe you can contribute to it. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, there's, I think that's definitely a part of it. I think that there's a failure in training yeah. on how to be that. It's a bit more combative. It seems lately. Yeah, I think we can pick like an, a, a list of eight things where we're like, okay, one is police training, two is universal mental health, three is gun control, four is deep demilitarizing, and you have like a bunch, of, I'm sure. Oh, it's so layered, but but that's why I love being a progressive because it's like we need all of these things to, to really move as a society. Yeah. Exactly. And you got to progress. You that's why when, when it comes to the demilitarization, we have trained forces for this. We have the SWAT team. SWAT team is not going to go anywhere, but you really don't need your local police wearing riot gear. Yeah. Or responding to a forgery call. Like you don't need an armed cop who's, who's trained to view everyone as some, a potential chokehold victim, like yeah. a community. Uh, yeah. More mediation. It doesn't have yeah. to, not every cop needs to be that forceful. Exactly. And they have to get out of schools too. They should have no business in schools at all. Yeah. Yeah. Denver is, just canceled their, their contract with them. Yeah. Good. good. That's how it should be. There should, it shouldn't be little kids are getting beat up and arrested by police in their school. That's, that's disgusting. Also just you know? kind of like, um, it's conditioning children mm -hmm. to be okay. And I don't think that's okay. Yeah, to be okay. Being watched over yeah. by police. Dude, it's real. It's really coming up against a lot of the philosophies I was taught as a kid. I was really taught to trust the cops. I went through the dare program, which we all joked about even like two years afterwards, but like the, the police were in my school and they were nice and I'm, I'm white and from upper middle class. And we were just taught, I think my grandfather had much less trust for the police, but he was, he had, he had passed away when I was 12 and he lived with us, but I don't think he bestowed a lot of wisdom about not trusting the cops. So my mom and my parents like really trusted the cops. And, um, and I always thought that was a good thing to like build faith in the police because then you can, and also to know your rights and, and to, to be able to negotiate that. But I guess if you're non-white, that's not a good strategy to, no. to, because then you're con like you said, you're conditioning yourself to like be a, be a sheep to be mm -hmm. a pup, a pawn, so that when you get older, you think that maybe they're going to fucking help you when it's like, maybe you should never think that if you're non-white until we change. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. That sucks that it has to be like that, right? <sighs> it should be the complete opposite. It should be like everybody be like, oh, I need some help. 
that's, you know, think about calling the police, not being afraid of it. I think this is a big um, authoritarian, you know, fascist issue versus versus libertarian, if you get yeah. what I mean. And, and it's weird how we frame this as a right versus left issue. Like, oh, the right is pro-cops and the left isn't. It's like, I think this is an authoritarian fascist force. And if you're a right winger, that doesn't mean you're an authoritarian, except unfortunately in this country, like we said, two party system, uh, they're forced to be nationalist populists right now, which is like fascists. Um, but there is a, a section of right wing philosophy that is libertarian and people claim to be libertarian on the right, but obviously they're not, they're nationalist populists. But if they were libertarian, I think they would rather dissolve the police. Like, I was thinking, what would a complete libertarian want? And they would want no police force. They would want a well, well-regulated militia. And yeah. so these civilians would be trained in de-escalation, uh, peacefulness, and and litigation. You know, a, a compromise. And they and there would be a community. There'd be like an arms, an armory. You know what I mean? Like a neighborhood armory. And you would check out weapons. And so if you needed weapons, we had fucking tons. But you're treated like a citizen. And when you walk, Oh, that's Gary. He lives fucking down the block from me. Like you have to live in your neighborhood. That's another thing. Most New York city cops don't live in the city. That's yeah. another important thing I was going to say before. Yeah. Yeah. So like a libertarian, you know, I'm not saying that's the perfect system, but I'm saying it's better than what we have now. Correct. <laughs> it's way better than what we have now. Yeah. And I never like gun toting citizens, but I'm like, Hey, fuck it, man. I'm a, I'm a libertarian socialist. So I, I believe in, that sort of breakdown of, of authority. Isn't a libertarian socialist, and I think it's an anarcho-socialist? It's really similar. Really yeah. similar. Noam, like Noam Chom- People say like Noam Chomsky is a libertarian socialist, but a lot of his ideas could easily be called anarcho. Because obviously anarchy is a lack of hierarchy, and libertarianism yeah. is like eliminating as much hierarchy as possible, right? Yeah. So anarchy is probably like the absolute zero. Like if, if libertarianism and authoritarianism is on a spectrum, uh, anarchy is probably at the base zero below libertarianism, right? Yeah. Com- yeah complete exactly. lack of hierarchy. That's very tempting. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, in reality, none of this should, nobody should have power, quote unquote. Everything should just be like running a corporation. You know, there should just be groups of people that are responsible for making sure the appropriate things are happening, right? So like medical people should be doing like, you know, making sure the country's medical stuff is going correct. It's like little committees. Yeah, like engineers should be doing like transportation, (laughs) you know, things like that. Like that's how it should be run. Uh There shouldn't be a hierarchy. You don't need a I'm I'm okay with some hierarchy, but but I want it to be built through democracy. Like it needs to be... we need tons of, of transparency and communication, right? That's like, makes sense. Yeah, look, every citizen has a share, right? That's your vote. So just yeah. like in a corporation where shareholders vote for their board and you mm-hmm. vote for people in power, it should be the same way. You have a board that runs the country and then you have different specialized groups that take care of special things. No politics. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's not about, I, uh, an overall ideology. It's about specific tasks that need to be done. I love how when you said the country can be, you can run it like a corporation, but the, the citizens are shareholders, not employees. Yeah. And that's so a great, a great way of looking at it. And then you have dividends, you know, like a universal basic income. 
yeah. yeah, the citizens are shareholders and the companies and corporations are the employees. Mm -hmm. That's how it works, right? Because the companies and corporations are doing stuff. They're producing, they're, they're generating economy. Mm -hmm. But they, that's something else. Mm -hmm. the, the country and, and how it's taken care of, it's about the people in it. It's about the citizens. So that's why you're the shareholder. You, know, you have your vote. Everybody has that one vote, period. Yeah. No money. No money is required, just like any business. If you want to run for the board, you should, it should just be done. Like you get your slot and mm -hmm. everybody has your info. And then when it's time to cast the vote, that's what you use. Yeah, we really love the idea of money being tied to, uh, to your, your worthiness, right? Of, of yeah. It's kind of like your money is tied to your humanity. Like if you have more money, it's almost like you're seen as more human. Yeah. Like I'm two humans. Like I, uh, I think if you're a, if you're like a billionaire, I th like, I think you can probably calculate that they have the power of like 600,000 voters. You know what I mean? I'm sure you could break it down for literally how superhuman they are, but it's all fabricated. It's just, we, just because we assign it that you're like, you, like you said, we've chosen a system that, that does that. Yeah, you know, for it's it's um the the when it comes to money, right? I say fuck it. If you want to make a ton of money, make a ton of money. If you want to have a bunch of boats, that's your thing. That's yeah. cool. But what's important is to remove the power from the money, right? Using money because you have it—that's one thing. But you, having power with it, that uh, so I think maybe that's why it would be better to go with um, a more public type of way to choose our, our the, you know even if we're not talking about this ideal thing that i was talking about with like the board and stuff like that like mm -hmm. even with our current system if we remove money from our current system and make it more public where everybody has an equal platform you know then it becomes about your ability <clears throat> and about what you can say not about how much money you have to put out a bunch of commercials lying about the other person you know what i mean so uh you know, because a lot of times you're like, oh, why do you need all this money, like for billionaires? And, you know, and mm -hmm. it's true. Like, isn't there a limit? Like, how much is too much? I think once you, you know? hit a billion, you should just get a plaque. Yeah, a little plaque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little reward. Like, Yay. Yeah, yes. Well, how about a statue? Public statue? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something, you know, yeah. you get a little reward. Yeah. And then the rest of the stuff gets siphoned into the community. Yeah. I, I would love it if companies got. If, you, if a company got to be a certain size, like Amazon, then it would be forced to become an employee stock ownership company where it's employee owned yeah. and yeah. everyone gets dividends or, um, or, or it's forced to become like the U.S. Postal Service. It gets absorbed as a public service because it's so ubiquitous and necessary. Well, yeah. let's be real. Amazon at this point is probably a monopoly. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, right. Like That's why it's so big. Like it's, it's bad for the economy at some point. We, we need laws to, to make yeah. this good for the economy. <laughs> like it's a behemoth that makes tons yeah. of revenue. It should be doing good for the economy, but it's not. Yeah. So Amazon is a company that I really want to move to our personal boycott list. Do it. But it's also the most difficult Very. because. Well, you don't have a I, car too. I'm not fully confident it could be replaced because even Amazon servers. What are you going to do? Not use other sites because they're hosted on Amazon servers? Right. Yeah, you have no choice. You oh, God. That's a rabbit hole. You yeah. can't cut them out right now. It's 
it's impossible. If you use the internet, it's impossible. No, no even like fulfillment, like you yeah. can buy something from a website, but yeah. you'll get it from Amazon. Right, right. Um, feels yep. it, you know shit uh, that happens like, that shit. happens to us with walmart every so often because we boycott walmart and occasionally we will get a package that is like a walmart it came from walmart fulfillment and then we stop using that buyer because <laughs> that, seller. that seller because i we boycott walmart they're a terrible company yeah it's too bad we don't have like a boycott movement um my my friend who's a He's a, has a PhD in sociology and he worked for the census now works for the DOD, but he was saying how ethical purchasing is different than boycotting. And, and I had never made the distinction between the two because I was saying like, um, ethical purchasing works. Just look at the, the bus boycotts of, of the 1950s that led to the integration of, of the buses, which Rosa Parks led. And he was like, well, boycotts is, boycotts are something different. Boycotts are incredibly effective, but they usually only last like at most like a year or two, you know? Um, so anyway, the moral, the moral of his story was like morally don't get too hung up about having to buy Amazon because, because um, that's an ethical purchasing decision, which is, and it's not a boycott. And like when it like, and also I'm saying, I hope that we can boycott Amazon. Like we should have a formal boycott. That'd be sweet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't buy from them, but I don't have to. I don't have a business that runs on AWS. Oh, wait, I have a Squarespace website. That could absolutely be on AWS. Yeah, that could might be. That probably there's a pretty good chance. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, um, my, this podcast is hosted on Apple Podcasts. That's absolutely using AWS, right? Unless, I don't think they Apple, have their own servers. Apple uses their own servers. You think they have their own server farm? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a tricky thing, though. I mean, I think... God. I, I do like the idea of ethical purchasing too. I think that's why a lot of companies, so our big ones are uh, Walmart and then all the subsidiary. So um, yeah. Sam's Club, Lowe's, um, Home Depot. I don't, just terrible company. Yeah. yeah. Chick-fil-A. Oh yeah. Like Chick-fil-A is a big one. Like, I, all right. I get it. Their chicken is delicious. Oh, oh they changed by, I'm sorry to interrupt you. They changed their policy. Because yeah, of people like, like you. Twice. They change their policy or they're not going to do it the and then they go and donate again. No, the know? daughter of the owner yeah. still runs like an, an anti-LGBTQ. Uh, okay. That, okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They're no. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So they are, what they're doing is they're, they're doing the PR thing. They'd be like, no, 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 we're okay now. But the thing is ultimately the views of the people who own the business and are on the board if you are doing things that are against my best interests, then I am not going to spend my money with Isn't you. Isn't that like every fucking company <laughs> or almost every company? Well, Costco, Costco is excellent. You're right. Yeah. Costco is good. Love Nat that. Natural Grocers Great point. is really ethical. Love natural. Okay, good point. Good point. They pay so people Dr. living Bronner's, wages. Like for soaps, Dr. Bronner's is an excellent yeah, company. So essentially- points. It takes some time to figure out what companies and what products you can absorb into your life that actually do something good for the world. Okay, it's now wait, who's the, who's the CEO of Costco? W. Craig Jelenic. Do you guys want to see who W. Craig Jelenic has donated to politically? Let's check it out. Dude, I, so I think I'm going to start a new Twitter feed or I'm going to add to my Cultivating Purpose Twitter feed, which I never use, where every day... I'm going to post somebody that you might care about. 
Here, Craig and Rita Jelinek, $50. So they're, they're not given, but this only covers the database. Oops. The database I'm looking at only covers uh, publicly filed um, F, uh, uh, filings for political mm -hmm. donations. So like doesn't count super PACs because obviously, as you know, we have dark money. Yeah. Yes. So officially, uh, the CEO of Costco has just donated $50 to Governor Branstad Committee in 2014 for Iowa. Let's see. Governor Branstad. This guy's probably really centrist, and it's okay to donate to him publicly. <laughs> Republican Party. But look at this guy's stash, Terry Branstad. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So pu publicly, the CEO of Costco gave $50 to a Republican. But but obviously, I don't think that's enough to stop going to Costco because they treat no. their employees so well. So Look, you know, if somebody wants to be a Republican, as long as they have, like, legitimate... I think the Republican Party has been hijacked by some crazy people and they've turned it into, like, this mm. weird fascist, like, thing, you know? Yeah. But like the old Republican, I thought that was a good balance. It was a different like uh, idea, uh -huh. but there was a lot of collaboration. So you always got like the best results. Now this new fascist wing that's mm -hmm. taken over is not the same thing. So the fact that he gave yeah, to right. a Republican, it could be like a good meaning person. You know what I mean? I yeah, yeah. I haven't looked into them. And but. and that was 2014. They gave to a Republican. As you guys know, politics has changed so much. They could be an anti-Trumper. They could, they could have shreds of <clears throat> shreds of reason, strong elements of reason in their Republicanism. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy are they? Right. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of, of boycotting things, some other things this week. So I think Slayer is out for us for a little bit. Oh really? Yeah, did you hear about the bass player's wife? What's his name? Oh. Aria. Aria or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something. I thought that was the guitarist. No, it was the bass player. His was wife was was recently sharing a, a pro-Trump, pro-police, anti-looting. So and, uh, Sandra yeah. Aria is the wife of the bassist of Slayer, Tom Aria's wife, sharing racist, pro-police, yeah, she don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, there's millions of people like this. Brainwashing, right? Brainwashing yeah. fucking works. Yeah. These people are brainwashed. And I also think there's a lack of comprehension with a lot of people. You know, when I was in school, uh, comprehension was a big thing. You know, like, yeah, you can read, but do you understand what the hell you're reading? You know? Great call. Especially when doing like some, like word problems, like mathematics, like reading comprehension is like extremely important. Mm -hmm. Some people read stuff and they don't understand what they're reading. So I think there's a huge comprehension problem in the U.S. where mm. people are hearing things and yeah, yeah. whatever they don't really understand. I I also what, think that it's easy yeah. to sway people. For example, yeah, pandemic, pandemic, right? Yeah, it's all it was was a bunch of crap filmed very well and told with authority to be like, you can trust me because this is a professional professional editing, professional lighting. So not everyone fact checks their information. Yeah. I, I try to, I, whenever I share stuff, especially, you know, I try to at least look it up to see if there is something else that links back to it. So I know that I'm sharing credible information. I also sometimes just push the share button and learn later that it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but 
but I'm also okay with correcting myself you when got I'm it. wrong on something. Sure. I'm not sure. just going to double down. I'd be like, no, no, no. Even though it's proven wrong, it's definitely right. And that's where you prove yourself as a good person. It's not in the first mistake. It's how you grow from it. Like we were saying before about the trauma. It's like, if you ignore yeah. it, <laughs> like you're not growing. Or if you say that you have no regrets, you're not growing. And it's like, if you acknowledge your regret, that inherently means you are growing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um, I, I, okay. I wanted to leave on one more note. We've been going for almost 90 minutes and I love you guys. Should we should do this again? Like next week. What do you guys think of like a part two? We'll do a part two. Maybe not yeah. next week. We might have something planned. All right. But... You'll slow play it. Play it. Cool. Lou. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should do a part two. We should talk about what we've been doing this pandemic and yeah, what our life, our lives in New Jersey and in New York. I want to talk about pal- cannabis and politics. There's a lot I want to talk to you guys about. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do a I part two. Then, then maybe we'll even do a part three. Yeah, I miss you guys. We we used to hang out back when we could see people. I know, and it's been it's been since February we've seen you guys. I think. Yeah. 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 So it's been a while. It's been that like was, several months. When we went out with you, when it was first all really becoming real, when oh. the pandemic was becoming. <laughs> when we were for Ethiopian. Yes. Last time we Wait, hung out. When's the next time we're going to be able to eat with our hands? <laughs> <You know what? laughs> oh no, I, that poor woman. Um, that owns the Ethiopian restaurant. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great point. It'll be because the Purell makes your hands taste gross. So that's yeah. not good. <laughs> yeah, let's talk more about it. I miss you guys. Um, the I the song I played at the beginning is the band Run the Jewels. Have you heard of these these two folks? I've heard of them. Yeah, I'm not too familiar, but I've heard. They're great. You might know their names. Killer Mike is one. He's a Bernie guy, big Bernie bro. Yeah, Killer Mike, I know him. And he was popular. He had a, a, a press conference during the Atlanta protests. Um, his brother's a cop, but a lot of his lyrics, I love. So, okay, I need to go on this rant before we go, if that's okay, about Run the yeah, Jewels. Yeah. <laughs> They're amazing. LP is from the Bronx or Brooklyn. And, um, he's, he's been an underground hip hop legend in New York since like the early nineties. And, um, he also produces all of his music. He works with some other people to make beats, but he really makes the beats himself, which I think is so rare. It's like Kanye and not many people rap and make beats. His beats are fucking grimy and killer Mike's from Atlanta. And both of them have very verbose lyrics and very poetic and interesting rhyme schemes, which I love Mm -hmm. being from New York, but they're also, they're like battle rap kind of uh, lyrics, dark and and aggressive, but also super political. And that combination is like my favorite combination of rap styles. Mm -hmm. If you had one album you had to recommend of them to listen to, which one would it be? Um, Oh God. Well, this, they just dropped this new one two days ago. And so there are two songs on this that are, so the song pulling the pin, I had to read, I had to listen to it five, six times in a row while reading the lyrics, um, because the lyrics are hard to, to comprehend, you know, if you're just listening, like a lot of rap lyrics, but they are so complex and, oh man, it's about cops and it's about authority and about class war pulling the pin. It's fucking so good. Um, but then, but the one I played to start was just, it's called just, mm-hmm. and that's also on the new album. So, and they, they give away all their albums for free. Um, 
they have t-shirts that they sell where they give some money to charity and the t-shirts say kill your masters. And I bought a couple. Uh, they're really dope. I love how they give their music away for free. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, I added them on Apple music, so maybe they'll get some royalties from me. I'll definitely check them out. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, I'm going to play them to, uh, to take us out. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds yeah. great. All right. Let's, let's, Get some just coming in here. So that's that's Killer Mike going. It's fucking so good. Well, thanks so much, Lou and Janice. Let's do it again. Part two coming soon. All right. Thanks, guys. And uh, thanks to all the listeners for checking in. Stay strong. Love you all. And this has been the Unnecessary Podcast. See ya. Pedophile sponsor all these fucking racist bastards.